Have you ever seen on social media, you, you know, someone putting their picture of, uh, you know, a happily married couple or what a great vacation and all, and you look at it and you're like, oh, man, you know, hashtag relationship goals, hashtag marriage goals, hashtag friendship goals. I wish my life, my relationships look like that. Well, if you have, there's good news. That's what this whole series is about, uh, that we're calling relationship goals. Uh, we're not only going to look at marriage in a couple weeks coming up, and my wife Susie is going to help me with those messages because she's an expert and I'm a novice, uh, but uh, we're, we're going to look at all kinds of relationships. We're also going to talk about parenting in this series. Today we're just going to talk about relationships in in general, and, and so we just think this is going to be one of these incredibly practical, biblical messages that's going to help everyone. And I make you this promise, and, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not uh, over-promising and under-delivering here, not at all. I make you this promise, if you'll hang with us, not miss one of these messages, even if you're away, catch the online campus, your relationships will be much improved by the end of this series if you apply what you hear during these next few weeks together. That being said, big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus. Uh, we love our, our Valley Poughkeepsie campus so much. Uh, all of you there, one church, multiple locations, and all of you online that are joining us uh, literally from around the world. Last week, someone from Brazil messaged me and like, hey, I'm watching online from Brazil. I mean, that's just kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, but God bless technology. We can really reach anyone, anywhere, as long as they have one of these beautiful electronic devices. So I want to invite you, go ahead and open up uh, your Valley app. It, if you don't have the app, download it now, free in the App Store, because there is a ton of additional notes that is only available on the app uh, about this message as we talk about relationship goals. Next week, the message will be, a series will be on pause as uh, my good friend and, and really a, a, a mentor, uh, spiritual papa in my life now, uh, John Kelly is going to be with us online and in Poughkeepsie as well, live here in Hopewell, uh, and, and he'll be sharing whatever God's put on his heart, not necessarily in the series, and then we'll pick it up again in two weeks. But today I want to talk about eight legit laws of relationships. Eight legit laws of relationships. And by way of introduction, let me just throw out some statistics about relationships. And, and the reason why we're calling this eight legit laws about relationships is this. As we work our way through this outline today, you can deny these laws, they still affect you. You can pretend like these, it's not, this is not the way it is, it's not the way it should be, but the reality is that's why these are relational laws. These are legit relational laws uh, because they affect every single one of us every single day of our life. And, and you know, sociologists tell us that in one given year, the average person interacts with between 500 and 2,500 people. 500 and 2,500 people. So, so maybe you're more of an introvert. You may only, you know, interact with only 400 people in a given year. Or maybe you're a real extrovert. Maybe it's way over 2,500 people. But just those numbers are kind of mind-blowing from introvert to extrovert. God is a relational God. God's all about relationship. We see that in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pre-existent, pre-eternal, co-equal, always have been, God is a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And relationships were his idea. He knows how they work best. That's why it's so important when we think about relationships of any kind, we go back to the Bible. 
Because God's the one that created relationships. And, and when sin entered into humanity through Adam and Eve, it harmed our relationship with God. And you know what? It harms our, sin harms our relationship with other people as well. And Jesus came through his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead to reconcile our relationship with God and also help us to reconcile with one another. But because of sin, relationships are some of the most painful things that we'll ever, some of the worst pain we'll ever experience in our lives. In fact, let me ask you right now, how many of you have ever been hurt in a relationship before? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yes, you in the top row at Regal Cinemas, raise your hand right now. You were, you know you were. Yeah. And, and how many of you have been hurt in a relationship this week? Raise your hand. How many of you got hurt on the way to church today uh, in a relationship, okay? It just happens so often, and, and we need to know what God's Word has to say about how to handle relationships in a healthy way. Think about it for just a minute. All the way back in Genesis, before sin entered humanity, God made this statement about relationships before sin. It's not good for man to be alone. When sin entered humanity, it's really not good for man to be alone. It's devastating. It's painful. It's also painful for man to have relationships as well. And so that's what we want to look at during our time together, eight legitimate laws or principles of relationships. And we want to look at Jesus, the perfect human. And he experienced every type of relationship that you and I will ever experience in our lives. He was followed by thousands. He experienced the crowd. He had family. He had friends. He had uh, co-workers, his ministry team. The disciples were his co-workers. He had to relocate. He was, uh, you know, born in, in Bethlehem and, and then, uh, you know, in Galilee area there. Had to go to Egypt uh, to escape for his life with his parents. And then back, we find him later on in Jerusalem. So he knew what it was like to start over again with new friends, to relocate uh, for business, prince, you know, for, for the sake of his job, his business. And he established perfect relational models for you and I to follow. So eight legitimate principles or eight legitimate laws of relationships. Here's the first one, the law of hospitality. The law of hospitality. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, the Bible says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. A man who has, in order to have friends, you got to be friendly. You have to be friendly. You and I have to be friendly. I hear people too many times, I don't have any friends. Well, guess what? That's no one else's fault but yours. If, if someone doesn't have friends, it's no one else's fault. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. If, if people see you in the morning like, hey, good morning, how are you doing? You're like, fine. Morning. Eh, you're kind of giving off some vibes there. You don't want to have any friends. And so again, the Bible, so brutally practical, God's word, be friendly towards all and friends with a few is the way I like to put it. Be friendly, we're supposed to be friendly to everyone. Be friendly to everyone, but be friends with a few. And we're going to find that as we work through these legit laws. You can't be friends, you can't be close friends with everyone. Jesus was not close friends with everyone. And he's the perfect relationship model for you and I to follow. Think about it for a minute. Even in the disciples, the 12, Jesus had Peter, James, and John, right, that were his inner circle, and you don't hear a whole lot more about Bartholomew, do you? What did old Bart ever do? 
but he was one of the 12. And so Jesus had Peter, James, and John that were closer. Also, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus was very, very close to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Dear friends of his, very close friends, and they're not even in the 12 disciples. He only raises Lazarus from the dead, that's all. But, but you, based on Scripture, you'd almost think, it sounds like he was closer to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus than old Bartholomew or, or, or one of the other disciples that you hardly, you just hear his name listed and, and that's it. And so the law of hospitality, we have to be friendly. You know what the reality is in, in my marriage? Uh, my wife Susie is much, much better that, at this than I am. I mean, she'll get to talking with strangers. Like we'll be out, you, you know, maybe going to a restaurant or or maybe we're shopping or something, and she'll just start talking to people that she doesn't even know, and I'm like, what? In my mind, I'm like, what are you doing? What in the world are you doing? We just got back from Disney and uh, spent some time down there with our daughter, Brooke, who's working down there at Disney right now, and uh, it was 4th of July weekend, and because of my bald head, and tense sun, big crowds, all this, I, I knew I had to wear a hat. I have to bring a hat everywhere. I had a little skin cancer last year issue that, that got dealt with. Uh, but uh, So I wear a baseball cap all the time, so I brought my Yankee hat, and I always like to like you know go to the pool. I just want to be chill. I don't want to talk to anybody. It was like a magnet. Oh, Yankee fan, huh? How about that? All these people that I've never met, they're coming up, and I was almost like, okay, I'll take the skin cancer. Just stop talking to me. It's like I just wanted to take the hat off because that is just not the way that I am. But it's something I have to work at because I am much more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. My wife is more of an extrovert. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. I was talking to a guy in the pool because I had a Yankee cap on, and he's a Cleveland Indians fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for him. So anyway, uh, all because of a Yankee hat, we had like this 30-minute conversation. I'll never see him again. Law of hospitality. You've got to be friendly before you can even have friends. Here's the second law, the law of capacity. The law of capacity. Look at this, it's pretty interesting. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it, it shows us, yet the news about Jesus, talking about Jesus, the news about him spread all, th all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Watch this, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus, God himself, had a capacity in his humanity, he had limited capacity. And the larger the crowds got, he's like, I can't do this right now. I've got to withdraw and replenish. Every one of us has limited capacity. If the Son of God had limited capacity in his humanity, always fully God, but also fully man at the same time, that humanity affected his capacity. You and I have a law of limited capacity. You know, some of us... Uh, Maybe, maybe we have our capacities like a tandem bike. Just all I, we have capacity for is one close friend. Maybe some of us are more like a Honda Accord. You, you know, I can, I can fit three friends. I, I, have, I have time, energy, resources, capacity, like a Honda Accord for three friends. Maybe you're a suburban, you know, we can, we can seat six, seven or eight. Maybe you're a suburban, that's your capacity. Maybe some of you are like, uh, you know, a 747 200 party, you know, but even then, you don't have capacity for the 201. So all of us have 
capacity. Think about this for just a minute, and this is what we talk about, energy, time, capacity. Think about it as a term of family dynamics for just a minute. If, if your parent, you know, mom, dad, and let's say you have, just in a family situation, forget about friends or anything, mom, dad, let's say you have six kids, all right? Not a lot of people do, but some do. Six kids, or maybe even some of your kids get married, so now you have son-in-law, daughter-in-law, things like that. Six. Two parents, six kids. Guess what? Newsflash. That is actually 56 different lines of communication. 56 different lines of communication, just mom and dad and six kids. Getting to understand now, we all have limited capacity. Then you put some friendships in there, and you get tapped out really, really quickly. Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. That there are times in my own life, because again, my, my wife's more of an extrovert, when we're like, go, 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 and then, and then she's like, hey, do you want to, I'm like, I can't. I, I can't go anywhere. I don't want to see anyone. I just need like two hours in the man cave, in the recliner, just to rest. And, and you know, guys, I think you'll relate to this. Right afterwards, two hours, I get a little break and I come downstairs. She goes, how are you doing? I'm like, I feel so much better. And she goes, what were you thinking about? And I was like, nothing. And she's like, no, 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 really, what were you thinking about? I was like, nothing. And she's like, you had to be thinking about something. I was like, no, that was like the whole point is nothing. And it replenishes me. You know, maybe I put my, my, my earphones on, just listen to some Frank Sinatra, listen to some music, and it, it just recharges me. Jesus had a limited capacity. Guess what? You can deny it. You, you can pretend like it's not the case. You do too. I do too. Here's the third law, the law of seasonality. The law of seasonality. There's seasons in relationship. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, verse 1 and verse 5 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. You know, you've probably heard that song, to everything, turn, turn, turn. You know, that's the only top 10 song in the history of the world that is 100% right out of the Bible, every single word from Ecclesiastes right there. Top 10 song on the charts, every single word right out of the Bible. There's seasons. And our relationships have seasons. Not every relationship is going to be consistent in the next season. Uh, Think about it for just a minute. Jesus' hometown, he was born in Bethlehem, and then he goes over to Nazareth, you know, but we don't know any of his friends before he's 30 years old. I'm sure he had some friends that he went to, you know, went to high school with or something like that. But we don't know any of his friends from back in, in the old town of Nazareth there. I, I mean, you, you want to think about this principle, uh, the law of seasonality, just go ahead and open up your high school yearbook. Go back and do that. I did that recently, and it's like, you know, you open it up, and like, Greg, I'm so grateful. We're so close. You mean so much to me. You've changed my life forever. I know you'll be, we'll be so close in the future. Your best friend, Tony. And I'm like, who is Tony? I mean, now I'm, I'm like, 51, I'm like, who is this Tony guy? I have no idea who the guy was. No idea. I know we're going to be close forever. The law of seasonality. Can I put it this way? If you and I try to pull every relationship into the future, 
we're going to end up frustrated and in real painful positions. Not every relationship is forever. That's the teachings of Scripture. Jesus understood that as well. The law of seasonality. How about this one, number four? The law of safety. <laughs> the law of safety. We, we need to kind of understand that uh, we're called to love everyone. Love is free. But trust has to be earned. And, and, and for many of us, we struggle with having boundaries, healthy boundaries in our relationship. Jesus had boundaries. There's this one in, a verse in particular, I think it's John, Gospel of John, where it says Jesus didn't trust himself to the crowd because he knew the hearts of men. Jesus loved everyone. Jesus did not trust everyone. Love freely. Trust must be earned. Look at what Psalm 28 verse 3 says. Do not drag me away with, with, with the wicked, with those who do evil, those who speak friendly words to their neighbors while planning evil in their hearts. There are actual people like this that, that speak friendly words, but they have evil intent in, your, in their heart towards you. Jesus understood what that was with Judas. Judas was one of the 12. And, and then it says Satan uh, entered into him. And, and Jesus is like, we can't be friends anymore because you're closer to the devil than you are to me. Boundaries, healthy boundaries. We can't be naive about these things. Jesus was not naive. The Bible talks about it and gives us clear instruction. Love is free. We're supposed to love everyone. Trust has to be earned. And it's really important to have healthy boundaries. Here's the fifth law, the law of clarity the law of clarity. And, and by the way, in your notes, I've actually put here to help with this, this law, in particular the law of clarity, 12 different relational lanes and the definition for each and every one of them, as seen really through the life of Jesus. Jesus had an enemy lane. Judas was in it. You know, think about lanes, right? Sometimes you're driving down the interstate, and, and what happens? Someone comes over in your lane without putting on the, the blinker. <laughs> You know, without showing that they're going to pull in? Or, or what are we supposed to do? You're supposed to use that. And whenever someone is driving and like they don't use that, you know, my, my wife, my, my kids will tell you, I, we do a lot of road trips we have through the years. I'm like, oh, look, that car there, <laughs> you know, that Subaru is so special. They don't have to do a turn signal. They're so special. They're immune. They're dangerous is what it is. It's dangerous when people try to skip lanes. We've had that, you know, through the years, Susie and I, 29 years as a pastor, someone comes in like, I want to be your best friend. Whoa, whoa, you're a first-time guest. Hold on a minute. You know, or, or I want to babysit your kids. Like, listen, I wouldn't let you take care of my dog based on what I know of you. And they just want to skip lanes. But there are all these relational lanes. There's 12 of them, actually, that I gave you an additional notes there. The law of clarity. We need to clarify our relationships. Uh, and, and let me just give those of you that don't have the app that I hope are scrambling right now to download it because you're missing out on a lot of great info that's going to help you. Relational lane. Lane number one are enemies. Jesus had them. Again, Judas, the Pharisee, they're enemies. Uh, lane number two, former acquaintances. Lane number three, distant relatives. Everyone's got a weird Uncle Charlie. Okay, you don't need to be hanging out with Uncle Charlie that much because he's weird. And if you don't have a weird Uncle Charlie... 
Well, your name might not be Charlie, but you might be the one. Professional relationships, lane number four. Neighbors, lane number five. Acquaintances, lane number six. You know, one of the things about social media, I think there's some great benefits. We've talked about it before. But one of the things about social media, social media has redefined what we call friends or followers. Take Facebook before. You have friends. Those aren't really friends. Most of them are just acquaintances. Just acquaintances. And then have you ever had this social media awkwardness happen when you, 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 you know, you like that person's post a lot, you comment, they like yours, you comment, and then like you actually see them in real life and you haven't seen them in like three months, they're like, hey! It's just really, really awkward because you, it seems like you're close, but really you're not close at all. It's just acquaintances. Acquaintances, lane number six. Then you have coworkers, lane number seven. You spend a whole lot of time in work, but it's not necessarily a deep, growing relationship outside of work. Then you have friends, people you do things with voluntarily that you choose to do things with. Mentors, lane number nine. Close friends, lane number ten. Close family, even in families, you're going to be closer to some in your family than you are to others. I have three siblings. One of them I'm closer to than the other two. It doesn't mean I'm not close to them. But, but just because of shared experiences and continued contact on, on a regular basis, I was on the phone yesterday with one of them. Real close to. Here, we, we, we talk to each other real often. Close family. And, and then lane number 12 is the Lord. And it's really, really important. You know, you know uh, don't take those in terms of priority. Lane 12, what? God's last, no, just don't be so uptight, Pharisee. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's just how to define these relationships. Because sometimes people want to skip lanes on you. Uh, sometimes people do things, as I said, relationships get hurt. And uh, they, they cause us pain. And, uh, and, 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 and lanes get skipped. And you have to kind of like define, what does this relationship look like now? Jesus did that. Remember when, when Peter denied Jesus three times? J- Peter, who was like the closest, you know, you have Peter, James, and John. He's in the inner circle. And then when Jesus is on trial, he denies him three times, just as Jesus predicted. And, and then Jesus crucified. Peter's nowhere to be found after he denies him three times, one time to a little girl. And then Jesus is resurrected, and Peter's got a relational problem. Look at what happens as Jesus has, we used to call these a DTR, define the relationship conversation. We used to have these, you know, guy to girl, when we were, we were going out before I was married, you know, high school, you have a DTR where you're just kind of hanging out, and they're like, no, I really would like you to be my girlfriend very much, would you? You know, DTR, define the relationship. It happens in friendships too. Jesus had a DTR with Peter. Let's look at it. John chapter 21, verse 15. This is a DTR that Jesus had with Peter because Peter skipped lanes. Peter went from close friend to really, Peter, are you an enemy now? You denied you even knew me. Are you now in the enemy lane? When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's like, do I still have a relational priority in your life? You treated me like a stranger. Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, 
often demonstrated. Because love is not words. Love is a verb. Feed my lambs. Love is not talk. Love is action. And you say, Peter, you skipped lanes on me. You, you, you treated me like I was an outsider. You mistreated me. Peter, I'm trying to see, is there any relationship between you and I left because of what you did? These are tough conversations to have, but these are real healthy conversations that need to take place for many of us. Jesus is the relational example. As he defined with clarity, the law of clarity, the relationship. In other words, Jesus is saying, if we're going to go on together, if there's a future friendship for you and me, Peter, we've got to clear this thing up before we can go further. Think about this DTR that Jesus had also with Judas in John chapter 13, verse 27. When Judas had eaten bread, Satan entered into him, and then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. This is what we call kind of a, a closer conversation. Jesus knew our relationship. He's talking to Judas. He goes, it's over. It's done. There's nothing left. You're closer to the devil than you are to me. And, and so this talk was saying, we're never going to talk again after this, Judas. And you know what? They didn't. With Peter, he reconciles. With Judas... He releases him. I love Jesus. He gives us a model to follow. He treated everyone perfectly and he never sinned. And he handled people exactly the right way God wanted him to handle them. With Peter, he reconciled. But with Judas, he released him. In other words, Jesus was saying to, to Judas, you're not beyond help, but you're beyond my help. I can't help you anymore, Judas. I'm letting you go. Now listen, parents, don't go home and say that to your kid who's four years old just because you're frustrated. I can't handle you anymore. I'm released. Don't do that. That, that would be sin. That'd be wrong. But again, I, I just love how Jesus does not avoid the elephant in the room. Jesus has those DTRs, defines the relationship, the clarity of the different lanes. For many of us, the frustration we're feeling today is because we have defined someone in one lane and the reality is all we're getting from them is from a very different lane. And it's wrong expectations of that relationship. Number six, the law of idolized, demonized. Let me explain this because this, this might look a little tricky, but this is something crazy. I've seen this in, in, as a pastor, no doubt about it. Uh, and why should I be surprised? Because Jesus experienced this in his life. This is when people put you on a pedestal. Oh my gosh, you're the, gra you're the greatest preacher I've ever heard in my life. In my mind, I know there's just a matter of time before in your mind, and in, in your opinion, I have horns and a tail. The more someone idolizes you, the quicker they will demonize you. It happened to Jesus as well. The, the more that people think you're incredible, guess what? The more they think you are the spawn of Satan in just a flip. 
idolize, the law of idolize, demonize. Think about it for just a minute. In Mark chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The crowd there, those who went ahead and those who followed, shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is it. He's the man. Jesus is our man. He's our hero. This is awesome. And they're waving palm branches. What's that all about anyway? Snapping off branches of trees? Palm branch, a palm branch is one of the ancient symbols of Israel, of national Israel. In other words, it's like they're waving the flag. We're used to seeing, you know, the, uh, Israel is the star of David, that's the symbol. But the palm branch is one of the most ancient symbols of national Israel. It's like they're waving the stars and stripes underneath Rome's, uh, Rome's nose. That would be the equivalent. They're waving palm branches. They're saying, he's going to overthrow Rome. He's our hero. Woo-hoo! Pull out the flags, boys. They're cheering him on. And in one week's time, actually five days later, they idolized him. And five days later, look at Luke chapter 23, verse 21. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Same people five days later. The law of idolize, demonize. The more some you allow, and doesn't it feel good? It does feel good. And we have to come to grips with that. It feels good to our flesh. But understand this, the more we allow someone to idolize us, the quicker and the harder the fall will be when they demonize us. Jesus experienced that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Preach, preacher, crucify him. Crucify him. Kill him. Same people. See, these are, these are laws. We, we can pretend it's not this way. This is unavoidable. These laws affect every one of our relationships. Law number seven, the law of economy. The law of economy. I think about this in terms of like cars and gas mileage. Like, like think about right now what kind of car you drive. Most all of us, I think, if you have your own car, you're kind of aware of, of what kind of mileage you get, you know? Some cars get better gas mileage than others. I mean, if you have a Prius, for instance, you get great gas mileage. You really do. But then again, you've you got a Prius. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, anyway, you get great gas mileage. Uh, maybe you, you got a truck or, you know, all-wheel drive, all souped up, you know, something like that, and you're getting like seven miles to the gallon, or, you know, suburban or something like that. Relationships are the same, the law of economy. What kind of mileage do our relationships get? Different relationships have different mileage ability, if you want to look at it that way. Some relationships, you know, we all have them. They ask too much. They text too often. And yet some relationships get great, great grass, gas miles. It's like they're just made for speed. They're made for distance and speed. You can go far in a hurry, some relationships. Others, it's like you're constantly having to get out and push the car. And it wears you out. And they exhaust you. And they wear you out. The law of economy. See, good mileage equals, could I put it this way, in a relationship, good mileage is relationships that replenish you, that lift you up, that charge your battery. 
when it comes to economy, they're a burden lifter, not a burden giver. You, you got people too close to you in your life that are burden givers, and they're just always making it more difficult, more frustrating, more awkward. That will wear you down over time. The law of economy. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 17 really talks about this. I love this verse. It's crazy. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they'll hate you. Like, you... You can wear anybody out. You, you can be the greatest person in the world. You will wear your neighbors out if you're always knocking on their door. It's just like, you know, I, I just need a little smaller dosage of you in my life right now. Just need to dial back the dosage. The law of economy. And here's the eighth one. The eighth legit law of relationships. And like I said, for some of us this might be news, but guess what? Every one of us is being affected by these laws right now whether it's the first time we've ever heard anything like this before from Jesus as our role model or whether we've been aware of it and we've, we've read things, we've read books about having Christ-centered, Christ-like relationships or not. Every one of us, that's why there are laws. We can't, we, can't, we can't undo these things. They're impacting our lives right now, always have been. The law of priority. The law of priorities. As you look at those lanes, obviously, in your additional notes there, lane 12, the Lord, should be our first priority. Jesus has got to be our first priority. And when that's right, when he's at the center, you know what? It impacts every one of our other relationships. When anyone else we put at the center, it gets messed up quick. Really, really messed up quick. And we'll talk about that even, even in marriage. My spouse, Susie, is not first in my life. And because of that, I think she would tell you I'm a better husband. Because she's not first. My kids are not first in my life. Jesus is first. And because of that, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I believe I'm a better friend. I'm a better son. I'm a better neighbor. I'm a better boss. Because Jesus is first. But any time I allow, and it's so easy, we have to maintain it. That's why messages like this are important. Series like this are really, really important. We have to fight to keep the right priority in our relationships. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And you know who that is? The Holy Spirit. Jesus himself sticks closer than a brother. The Holy Spirit of God putting him first. So I ask you today, spend some time with these eight laws. Maybe review them just on your own first. If, if you are married, make an appointment with your spouse to do a little marriage sermon discussion about how these relational laws affect you in your marriage. Because you know what? If, uh, if your spouse's lanes are like totally the opposite of your lanes, your relational lanes, that's a big part of the problem that's going on right now in the marriage. When the lanes don't look the same. Really, really important. 
the law of priority. There is one, a friend, who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus said to his disciples, and he says it to you and I too, no longer do I call you servants or slaves. Servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I call you friend. You'll never be as good a friend as you will be when you put Jesus first. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the example of Jesus in his relationships. That, Lord, we saw how even he, he spoke to his enemies, to Judas. We, we, we see how he spoke to those who stabbed him in the back, betrayed him, that, that uh, denied him. Lord, we, we see how he spoke to those that were so close to him. And Lord, we just, we pray right now, your Holy Spirit, Lord, for, for probably more of us than we want to admit, that we haven't put Jesus first in our life. That he's at the center. He's, he's a part, but he's not at the center. God, help us to place a priority on our relationship with Jesus first. And then all the other relationships come into alignment the way you want them to be. God, thank you for the, the clarity of your word. Thank you for the example that Jesus set for us to follow and that we can follow because we have a friend who sticks closer than even a brother and that is your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom in our relationships and that we can grow in our relationships and they can honor you the way that we handle every relationship that you bring into our life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.